Every gamer has that one game they want all of their friends to play. Maybe it's old. Maybe it's new. Maybe it's obscure. Or maybe it's the game that everyone is playing. Whatever it is, it's that one game you love to talk about. Join us as we ask each other to try this game. All right, Farron, we have come so far during the lifespan of this podcast, but eventually we were dragged to gaming hell, and I think it's about time for us to fight our way out through multiple layers of it and and back to the surface. So what do you say we dive into Hades and discuss that for a little bit? Well, isn't gaming hell, isn't that like the rules of engagement game you hated so much from early on? Really? I thought you were going to say Crusader Kings. (laughs) Yeah, that too. But that's my gaming hell. But yeah, let's talk about Hades. Absolutely. So this game was developed and published by Supergiant Games. Uh, This was initially released on Windows, Mac and Switch, actually, on September 17th, 2020. And now you can find it on, as I said, Windows, Mac and Switch, as well as the PlayStation 4, 5, the Xbox One and the Xbox Series X and S. So more or less any current gen consoles that you want to find. Now, Hades is a roguelike game where you... uh, take on the the role of the prince of the underworld as he repeatedly tries to to escape uh the the clutches of his father and escape back to the the realm of mortals in greek mythology uh with a lot of a lot of liberty is taken let's let's be very clear about that well well they do an amazing job of personifying the the greek gods in this game um obviously you know you gotta you gotta flare things up every now and again so this is a uh roguelike it's procedurally generated so each time you try and make a quote-unquote run out of hades itself you're going to be facing different challenges now all the, the different areas that you move through are always the same but there are going to be uh different rooms within each of those areas everything is uh, laid out just just a little bit differently than the last run. You unlock different weapons throughout the subsequent runs. You upgrade them. You talk to different characters that exist within the game world. You upgrade your your little base area, and it's just such a well fleshed out and realized and well well executed roguelike game that I absolutely adore. So why don't you tell me about your first experiences with Hades? I picked it up and it was a game. I mean, in fact, as we're speaking, it's on sale on Steam. So I thought, eh, what the hell? I'll pick it up 20 bucks. And I really dug this game. And it's going to sound weird because I've actually refunded it. And you'd say, well, why? I love everything about this game. But every time I play it, I kept thinking I should go back and play Torchlight 2. But everything about this game is so cool. The music had me sort of bopping along to it. That backbeat is very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a it's got a very sly sense of humor to it, like them describing uh, the main character's bedroom and dad wishes he'd pick up everything off the floor. Uh, that's just like really, <laughs> but it's, you know, it, it's funny. Like there's there's a few there's some funny jokes like that. The art style is pretty cool. It's very vibrant. Mm-hmm. The colors really pop. The uh, the graphic style for the characters. You know, just seeing in portraits with, with red dialogue, but you see the dialogue boxes as well. They always have the portrait, and they're not quite anime-ish, but they've got, they're like slightly anime-ish 
just the the style yeah. yeah but it's super good looking the game plays really well i mean it feels like you're playing diablo as a click fest but not in a bad way i loved it i i really really did but i kept thinking to myself i'm not going to finish this i'm going to go back to torchlight 2 but if i didn't have torchlight 2 i'd be i'd still be playing through this i thoroughly enjoyed it i was very impressed and i may wind up picking it up again at some point I'm I'm glad to hear that you did enjoy that. I was uh, I was a little bit worried, and, and when we initially discussed the game, I wasn't I wasn't entirely sure how you were going to um, how you were going to react to some of the some of the difficulty curves that that it really throws at you later in the game. Oh, I got my it, ass kicked, and I had no problem with that though, because it was fun to go back. Okay, well, yeah. I, for for people who may you know not enjoy uh, difficult combat based games, they have actually. Uh, that Supergiant went to the liberty of including a god mode in this game. So you it's just a toggle that you turn on in the menu where, congratulations, you don't die. You can now just play through the story of this game with uh, with nothing that can really stand in front of you. I mean, you still have to do the thing. You have to get out of Hades. But yeah. you, you actually get to experience the story without impediment. And you can mm-hmm. then get to the end game and say, all right, I'm good. Um, you know, I appreciate games like that. Mass Effect 3 had that. Mm-hmm. I think they call it story mode, where yeah. pretty much everything is one shot, one kill, and you are invincible. It's for people who want to experience the story, almost like they're playing through a movie. And I respect that. It's not how I would play a game, but, you know, if, if that's your thing, go for it. Yeah, I, I think it makes this game even more accessible to to a wider audience and you know in a in a previous episode i'd said that not every game is for everyone but i do think that this this does kind of a nice job of at least making it accessible to everyone not everybody's going to to vibe with the the action itself of this game but at least you've got the opportunity where if you see you like the art style you like the music you you know you kind of get intrigued by the story of the game then it gives you the opportunity to to play it you're not going to get the same out of it as somebody who plays it on its standard setting but you're still going to get to be able to experience the content you know what though the thing with the god mode and whether we're talking about the god mode in this game or the story mode in mass effect 3 Mm -hmm. it it does broaden the appeal of the game because someone who says well i'm not very good at games but i'm interested in trying this yeah. they'll play it on gone mode and say you know what i really dug this i'm going to play it again with it off mm-hmm. i'm going to play now now that i know what the game looks like now i'm going to go back and play it with a with a with more of a challenge first hit is free sort of thing um, <laughs> we'll make the first run through the of the game super easy but then you get to enjoy it and then come back and we'll crank up the difficulty for you yeah yeah and i i think that that's um you know that's that's a great way to do it there have been there have been a lot of people having sort of that conversation about the adjustable difficulty of games um, in the in recent years, like the Dark Souls series and games from FromSoft are always sort of the center point uh, that I always see for that is, should these games have a difficulty slider so anybody can play them? And it's, yeah. it, it, the whole the whole conversation is very weird. And, you know, we'll we'll probably have more of an in-depth conversation about that on a, on a different episode. Yeah, but we do Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> spoilers. Anyways, yeah. no, this, this game, 
like I said, it, like, as Farron had said earlier, it it does a fantastic job with its writing, uh, personifying the gods really well. Everybody has their own unique individual personalities. You get different boons from each of the gods. You know, Athena will give you the ability to dash and reflect projectiles, and Zeus will give you the ability that every time you're near somebody, he'll zap them with lightning for you. Uh, if you take certain boons from Ares, you just do ridiculous amounts of damage to everything in a giant AoE and Aphrodite, and you can find um, upgrades for your weapon from Dionysus uh, or um, sorry um, not Dionysus Dionysus is um, food and drink whomever Daedalus there we go Daedalus, Daedalus there so, you go. Okay. Um, but it's it does this great job of personifying everybody it's got a fantastic story to it that uh, really feels rewarding when you finally get to progress this story because it, it's, not, it's not a game where you're meant to get out of Hades in your first run or your second run or your fifth or your tenth I think it was somewhere in like 20-ish runs that I finally, finally got out um, for well, the first the time. that's the point of a roguelike. Yeah, that's exactly. That's the whole idea of a roguelike. You're going to die a lot, but mm -hmm. but everything you, you gained, you get to keep into the next run. That's the yeah. point. Yeah. Um, have we done roguelikes before? I'm trying to think. I don't think that we have. Dark We've talked work, about kinda. them. Yeah, sort of not really, though, because you don't have any carryover between the characters. XP, I think you get to carry over. But Do you? I think so. But yeah, it's this is I think the first pure roguelike we've ever yeah. we've ever played. And yeah, they're uh, they're an acquired taste. But Very going back so. to the original Rogue, which is mm -hmm. practically text, uh, <laughs> I think you can get it on GOG or something like it. But yeah, no, I, I really I enjoyed this. I as much as I you know yeah I refunded it, but I enjoyed it. It was it was kind of cool. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that. And this is this is a game that I really wanted to kind of bring to uh, bring to the podcast. It's it's a massive game. You know, just about everybody and their mothers already played it once at uh, at least, or has seen it being played on Twitch or has yeah. watched a challenge run of it. But it's I think that it's more accessible than some people think, and oh, yeah. uh, it's it's definitely worth the time to to go and give a shot to, especially if you're not a big roguelike person, I think that this is a great jumping in point. And if you're into Diablo type games, give it a shot. Oh, yeah. It's got Absolutely. that feel to it. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't have uh, doesn't have the looting aspect of a Diablo, but it definitely has the same dungeon crawler vibe. Yeah, and it's, it's the same play style. Mm -hmm. The same view, the isometric three quarters view, and yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I I think that about wraps it up for, for the yeah. game. So uh, you figure you're going to possibly go back and, and buy this again at some yeah. point? Someday, maybe I'll come back to it. I can't guarantee it, but I certainly wouldn't be adverse to it. You know, That's I fair. It. And uh, I'll, I'll keep this game around and it'll always be one that I'll be more than happy to jump back into and, you know, spend 15, 20 minutes, do a, a quick run of Hades and then go on with my day. So I'll uh, tell you what I am going to do. I'm going hmm. to get the soundtrack. I love yeah, the that soundtrack. Is, I that is well yeah. worth it. It's a fantastic soundtrack. It's very good, yeah. All right. Well, I think that about does it. So there it is. There it is. Adam, I am going to rent you out to someone who's going to pay you 
to drive a two-legged tank in a futuristic combat setting, and I'm going to pay you well. I want you to be a mercenary. Not just oh. a mercenary. I want you to be a mech warrior mercenary. Does that sound appealing to you? Um, do I get to murder a lot of people with big explosions? Oh. Tons of people. Oh, bang tons, it. Tons in. of death. Oh, yeah, sweet. let's go. So let's talk about MechWarrior 5 Mercenaries, which was developed by Piranha Games and published by Sold Out, who I'd never heard from. Huh. Why does that sound to me like a, a publishing company made to publish this game? But Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Piranha Game, really what this is, is uh, Piranha Games makes MechWarrior online. Mm-hmm. And all they did is take the, the engine and make a single player game out of it. Uh, okay. and, and, and that's not a complaint. It's a, because it's a good engine. It's an older engine. It's like five, six years old. But it means it runs on anything. Um, and it looks great. It's available for the PC, all the PlayStations, all the Xboxes. Uh, you can get it. Initially, you had to buy it on the Epic Store. For okay. the PC, it was a one-year Epic exclusive, which people freaked out about. Hmm. Uh, but look, I get it. I get why people go for these, why they accept the money from Epic to be an exclusive. Of course. It allows them to pour so much more money into the game. You know? And... Why not take that money, be exclusive with them for a year, build the game you want, and then move over to Steam? And that's exactly what they did. Now it's available on Steam. Yeah. And the game is highly moddable, which you discovered by accident because you used my copy of the game and I heavily mod it. Um, I mean, nothing wild. Like I added, uh, you know, my first Battletech video game was called Battletech The Crescent Hawks Inception. And the Crescent Hawks were like a. A, a, a squad called a a lance, which is like four four mechs, and their logo. I like guess is from the late eighties. So I I went out, you know, I went onto the modding site and said, "Will anyone put this in the game?" So someone modded it into the game. So I used that. Things like this. <laughs> um, the the game is based on the BattleTech role playing game and war game. BattleTech started as a miniatures game that used hex based terrain maps. I've been playing it since grade 10. Really? And uh, Mech Warrior, the original Mech Warrior, which was made by uh, by Activision. Um, and I think this, I think the second and third ones were, I think actually, I think the second, third and fourth ones were published by Activision. Um, the original Mech Warrior, like you've seen that video, right? Where they show you all the different Mech Warrior games over the years. Yeah. Like this was polygons with a, a PC speaker soundtrack. But it was the same idea that you were in control of a mercenary company. Uh, and there is a story for MechWarrior 5 mercenaries, and it, it's stupid. So just play the career mode, whatever. Um, <laughs> create your own company and carry on. It's really just meant to be like a tutorial. But, you know, you get you start off with like two or three mechs and you take you, you run around the inner sphere, which is like the sphere of influence for humans. So it's hundreds and hundreds of planets. You go wherever you want. You accept contracts from the five major houses or governments. And, you know, th- everything's procedurally generated. You get money in the in the uh, form of C bills, which is just their currency. You go out there, you kick some ass. You come back, you repair stuff, you replace dead pilots. You build, you, you buy better mechs, you salvage. You know, things get more intense as you go from, say, a 30-ton a mech to a 100-ton behemoth. And... It's a mercenaries game, so you're you're managing a mercenary company, and you can paint these things however you want and stuff like that. And like this is in many ways the same game I've been playing since like 
1991. Uh, Mech Warrior 2 was not a mercenary game. It was like a military campaign, but everyone wanted a mercenaries module. So they added that as a standalone expansion. Oh, cool. And then they did it again for Mech Warrior 4. And then they made Mech Warrior Online. And people kept saying, well, why aren't you making the next Mech Warrior game? So Piranha said, okay. And they did it. So <laughs> well, what sure, did you think not? of All this? Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I've i never been super deep into mechs in general, whether that yeah. be, you know, uh, the Mech Warrior franchise or like all the uh, many variations of mechs that have existed within like the anime yeah. sphere over the years. Yeah. It's just never been something that really gripped me. Uh, I think that part of that had to do with the fact that it felt like I think that I always wanted them to be more of a first person shooter game than they were, but it's not. This is a this is a futuristic tank simulation. This is yeah, this, this is World of Tanks in 3050. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, much pretty much. Like, and Battletech is much less anime than, say, Robotech slash Macross yeah. or any of these others. This literally is a tank with two legs. Yeah. It doesn't have the maneuverability of something from Robotech. No, this uh, is there's there's no giant energy swords that, or anything like that. This is um, this this takes a swing at being the most believable mech simulation that you can you can play. Not realistic, but believable. Yeah, like you could yeah. believe that in a thousand years this could be happening. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I like I respect it. I really, really, really do. I really respect this game because it takes like, I mean, this, this franchise over the years has always taken big swings to try and yeah. uh, provide their player base with exactly what they want. The people who came from the miniature miniatures to video games to give yeah. them that feeling of like, Oh yeah, this is, this is how I would command this Lance in, uh, in the miniatures game. Yeah. And truth be told, I'm, I'm sitting here right now and I've, got the steam page open because it is you want to it, buy it don't you it's it's 33 <laughs> bucks regularly down to 25 yeah. canadian um and that's the thing is just like i don't know if it's going to be something that i'm going to continue to put time into is all yeah. because i respect it i know that it's a great game it's really well put together the the idea of managing this mercenary company and balancing your your interaction with these five major houses is very appealing yeah. to me I just really don't know if it's going to be something that I'm going to sink my teeth into or just bounce off of, because even just at the very beginning here, there was a point in time where we went, all right, I'm probably good to stop playing now and just be ready to record yeah. the podcast. Yeah. And, and I'm the same way. Like I bought it because I didn't want to wait a year for it to come out on steam. So I bought it for the Epic store. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I'll be honest, sorry, Epic. But as soon as it was available for steam, I bought it again. <laughs> and, um, I bought the expand. I bought the first expansion. I'm going to buy the second expansion, uh, which is called Legend of the Kestrel Raiders. And mm. if that isn't an attempt to do the Crescent Hawks without getting in trouble with Infocom and Activision, I mean, it it just that's what it seems like. Um, what I find I do is I go and I load up a can. Like I don't play the campaign anymore. Um, right. I just play like a sort of a a sandbox campaign where you just yeah. you get X amount of money. You choose your logo, you choose your name, you choose a starting location, go. Uh, and I'll play, I'll play for like 10 hours and then I'll get bored and I'll uninstall it. And then I'll start again in a few months and I'll start again in a few months and so forth and so on. And I find that works for me. Mm -hmm. One day I'll actually stick with a, a mercenary company and not start over. But who knows when that'll be? 
you know. Yeah. But that... I love it because mostly this is my high school days made manifest. Mm. Piranha Games has done a bang up job of making this. Um, my only, I, it's not my only complaint. Um, well, it kind of is. There's not a lot of mechs in this game. Mm. They're like, compared to how many mechs there are available, even in the time period, which is 3015, or if you choose the Russell How or Russell Hague Republic, I've never learned, learned how to pronounce that, then it's 3035. But I'm kind of waiting for the next expansion, which will be like 3049, which is the clan invasion. And that just changes everything. Like, I, I kind of want a Mech Warrior 6 now. Okay. <laughs> you know, but I just, I got to get, I got to tip my hat to them. They took this old engine, seven, eight years old, however long it is. They made it pretty. They mm. make it work really well. But it also means that if you have a second rate gaming rig like me, you can still play this game. Like I'm playing it at like low detail and I still love it. And by the way, everything is destructible in this game. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that building that's in your way, will just make it go away, smash into it. And, and they've recently added melee combat, which is a big part of the game. And, you know, it's you're managing your heat, which is a big deal because, you know, the type of laser you you want to use, like, if you, you know, you start popping off with 20 lasers, you're going to overheat very quickly. And that it, that leads to unfortunate things like your machine shutting down in the middle of a battle or you, you know, blowing up, which kind of sucks. Yeah, um, that's kind of the yes, opposite of what we're going for here. Kind of a bummer. Um, but this game was designed very clearly for people who played MechWarrior 1 through 4. Yeah. And I and, and I, I got to thank Piranha for that. They said, let's make the game that people have been waiting for for all these years. And they did it. And that's awesome of them. And Yeah, I, I respect that. I really do. Because it's making a game for the sake of making the game itself not for the sake of making money not for the sake of well they want to make money too but well of of course their, look their money comes from mech warrior online where you have to buy individual mechs if you want a particular loadout you got to cough up for that right so that's where their money maker is sure this was an attempt to do something different with the engine and i love it i think it's great yeah it's it's very surprising to me that the uh the engine is as old as it is because they've done such a fantastic job with having these fully destructible environments uh mechs yeah. that take real-time damage and reflect that in yeah. their structures uh the fact that the game is able to look as good as it does with particle yeah. effects and um the the constant world simulation that's going on around you like it's it's an impressive feat of programming, if nothing else. It is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, it's multiplayer. I'm not sure if you can put one uh, a human in every one of your mechs, but I know you can at least bring one other guy along with you. Okay. And, you know, that would be kind of interesting to, if you had someone who was committed to this, to sort of, I mean, one person, it would essentially be one person save game, and the other person would jump in. But, right. you know, if they could find a way to make it more of a multiplayer simulator all around, well, okay, yeah. Farron, you'll, you're going to look after uh, maintenance of the machines and I'm going to look after the missions we choose and we're going to go from there. Like that would be interesting, but that yeah. would take a lot more than this engine I think is capable of, but man, they did a good job. Yeah, they really did. So. One of one of the things that I actually really, really appreciated about this game was the fact that in between your missions, you go and walk around your ship. And actually, I can't because it's first person. So I play it all for menus. <laughs> well, yeah, that's one of the things they put in the game that you don't have to walk around your ship. 
Well, so. that's that's a great consideration for people like you. Um, yep. <laughs> for for me, however, I love that because what I find with games like this, where you've got big expansive things like um you know elite dangerous your star citizens any other game where you're supposed to be in a giant machine you often lose context for exactly how big the thing is here you go um, entries yeah it's yeah. very yeah you you yep. get a scale for exactly how big you are next to one of these machines and it's just it's fantastic they did a, such a such an excellent excellent job with this game and yeah i I, I can't say enough good things about it. If you like tank simulators, if you uh, enjoy science fiction, this is absolutely for you. And, you know, there's kind of a demo, sort of. It's Beck Warrior Online. It's free to play. Yeah, true. So you could jump in there, play a few rounds, decide if you like the way the game feels, and then go buy this game. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, do you think you're going to eventually buy the game on sale or something? I don't know. I gotta. I really got to sit here and, and, and debate on this one. I mean... Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's $25. It's not a huge investment. And I've got every confidence that I'd get 25 hours back out of this game. Um, but I'm also at the point where I've got a lot of games in my Steam library, Farron. Like, I've got a lot of games that I have not played. I should probably play more of them before I, I keep buying new games. Hey, you logged into my Steam account to play this. Did you see my backlog? Shh. That's 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 not okay. We're not supposed to tell yeah, people we did that. that. Yeah. <laughs> I I assure I assure you, Adam. My my mine isn't the library of shame. It's the library of abject humiliation. So yeah, that's fair. So I, I hear that's you. Fair. Yeah. And what so, about yourself? Well, yeah. I mean, I I've I'm not playing it right now. I'm I'm diving into other things. I'm actually going to start Watchdog Watchdogs two this weekend. But oh, okay. Um, and I've got and, you know, Orcs Must Die 3 and a bunch of other games. But uh, yeah, th- I'm always going to come back to this. I think this is going to be like a Christmas break sort of thing where I, mm-hmm. I dig in and play like a hardcore 20, 30 hour uh, campaign. Right. Um, yeah. And I'm I love it. I mean, this is this is my teenage years. This is my high school video game on a modern system. So, yeah, I'm always going to come back. All right. So, yeah. So there it is. There it is. 